Welcome to RPH Podcast, where conscious conversations live. Good morning, everyone, um, or good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whenever you are listening to this. Um, I, I've been kind of going over this topic with a couple of people, um, close friends, um, family members, and I've gotten interesting feedback, and so I want to kind of go through all of this with you and see what you think. Uh, so first, I want to start off with um, something that Robert Crosby said, who is a theosophist um, that died in 1919. Um, so he says, yes, there is really a thinker who thinks, who has perceptions on the phenomenal side of every plane. While in waking consciousness, those who identify the thinker with the phenomenal perceptions of waking existence are fully as wise as one who uh, would be who identifies himself with the scenes in a moving picture show. Such a one would not be creative and active thought, deliberately peopling his current in space with thought forms that spring from a knowledge of the truth. He would be a mere reflector of impressions, a sort of battle door and shuttlecock of such is not the kingdom of heaven. These thinkers have gotten themselves into the realm of passing shades which shut out the light. So I thought that that was an interesting quote um, from him because it kind of goes along with what I'm talking about today. Uh, and what I'm talking about is the fact that I am not a healer. And for me personally, I feel like if someone says that to you, if someone tells you they're a healer and they want um, to present themselves and their services to you as though they're a healer run the other direction <laughs> it's it's no good and i'm I'll, I'll explain why um and i've got my coffee here um from upper cup so if you haven't ever been to upper cup in old town east um in columbus ohio definitely go there they have some of hands down the best coffee in town um so anyway, um, I feel like to say that you're a healer, um, like if someone were to tell you that, they're operating under the influence of an underdeveloped ego and a false sense of superior consciousness. And reason being for that is because the more that I explore and begin to understand my own consciousness, my own mind, emotions, um, traumas that I've experienced, uh, I see that there's really no higher, um, just someone that's further along in their healing journey than others. So it's, it, it's kind of this weird, um, cycling back that we do when we start this journey. Um, and I've experienced it. Um, I've talked to other people that have experienced it personally, talked, um, you know, talked to people that have interacted with people that are kind of in the midst of this. Um, because what happens is when you start to go down these paths of healing yourself, experiencing these different planes of existence, um, working on raising your vibrations, 
if, if you don't have your ego developed to a certain point, um, which, you know, again, is something that you could also be working on, but you're going to get this kind of resistance, this path of least resistance um, direction that your brain's going to try to go. Uh, and what's going to happen is you're going to be on this path you're reading about all this great stuff and then all of a sudden you think that you've reached a certain point and you are somehow at a higher point in your consciousness or at a um, more superior uh, point in your life than other people that haven't reached this. You know, I meditate and they don't or I do yoga and they don't or, um, you know, I'm, I'm aware of what's going on in the world and I'm awake. Um, or as most people like to say, woke, which is a whole other topic in and of itself to talk about. Um, so you, you get that sort of mentality going and all you're really doing is you're no higher than the people that you're saying that you're higher than. Um, in fact, you're probably uh, operating on a lower frequency. Um, so really all you're trying to do in the end is raise your vibration, bring awareness to yourself, to your um, emotions, to your traumas, heal yourself. And that's all that anyone else is trying to do. Um, some people are further along in that journey and others aren't. Um, so when someone says that I'm a healer and they present themselves as such, that to me is a huge red flag that they are in that weird spot of this sense of higherness and superiority that they haven't quite figured out yet and come to the realization that that's what it is. Um, and I'll explain further why, um, why that uh, is. But the, the other thing on that is, so there's self-awareness that comes when you can go and push past that point um, and realize, you know, oh, I'm not, and I'm not superior, I'm not higher. You know, I'm, there's no difference for me and anyone else that's walking around. We're all here together and we're all in this together. Some people are just further along in their journey than others. And the people that are further along, you know, can help the people that aren't as far along um, in ways. And the people that call themselves healers and represent themselves as something or someone that's superior, um, I feel like all they're doing is they've become aware of how to wield capitalism in order to exploit other people in order to get their money. And I want, and for me personally, I just want to stay as far away from that as I can. Um, and on, on a certain hand, I feel like capitalism is like the physical manifestation of psychopathy. Um, I think that all things, all ways of operating in mass society on their base level, on their definition level are great. Um, you know, I have, I have no problem with people trying to make a profit, but when it's for the mere means of profit um, from other people's suffering and a lack of knowledge, that's where I really get, um, you know, frustrated about, um, because then it, you know, capitalism and other people's traumas just become this instrument, um, in someone else's game.
So, um, let me kind of backtrack a little and tell you what I mean about someone saying that they're a healer and what it means to say that. So humans, like all life forms, are self-organizing systems. So what that means is that they heal themselves. They find equilibrium over and over again. So your body is just comprised of different um, networks of systems all talking together and your body naturally will know if something's not right and try to find that equilibrium within those systems and heal them. So what I'm saying is no one else can heal you. You are your healer. Um, you can create an environment for a person that, uh, you know, gives them, well, let me, let me say it this way. Let me give you an example. Um, so you say, say someone's hungry, right? Someone's coming to you and they're like, I'm starving. I'm hungry. Um, so you're like, okay, I'll make you a meal. So even though you make the meal, you prepare it, um, you know, you are providing them with that food and that nutrition, but it's them who actually eats the food and it's their body and their systems that are processing it and distributing those nutrients where they need to go. So you can facilitate and provide the environment and energy, but it's the individual that has really, you know, the power of healing um, and that heals themselves. So anyone that tries to tell you that they're a healer and tries to quote unquote heal you, like I'm going to heal you. All you're doing is, you know, providing a disservice to you and to that person and you're taking away their personal power and you're putting them under an illusion of inferiority, you know, saying that you can't do this yourself. You need someone else to do this and you're making them subservient to someone else's will. Um, which in some people's cases is part of the symptoms of their trauma is why people are drawn to this. So anyone who cares about the individual, empowering them while aiding them in their journey is critical. Um, and how you empower them is you promote self-accountability, which ultimately breeds self-mastery. So if you take it into a standpoint of your traumas, the things that you need to heal on a mental, emotional, physical level are yours to heal and yours alone. And I'm not saying that you're alone in the process, but in the end, taking that self-accountability to say, these are my things and I need to heal them, then you're taking back that personal power because if you can heal them and it's your responsibility, then that's wonderful, right? Because if you have to wait on someone else to heal you, it's, it's like this external uh, salvation uh, mentality that people have um, that it's someone else's job to heal me. It's someone else's job to fix what's wrong in my life. And that's not the case. 
you know, there can be outside influences that have swayed your decisions or swayed what's happened in your life. Sure. Um, you know, that's things happen. You know, there's people that experience traumas on different levels. We'll always know this. Uh, so it's not accepting blame, you know, and I'm sure that there's equal parts and blame on certain things that people can distribute. So blame and accountability are different. So it's not accepting 100% of blame of what happened. It's taking accountability because once you can take accountability for where you're at in your life and your traumas, then you can begin to heal them and be on your way more to self-mastery. <clears throat> So the, I'm going to kind of talk about uh, how, how I look at this in terms of how I approach people. So obviously I don't tell people I'm a healer for very specific reasons, um, but I look at it as myself and other people, along with plants and, you know, all the herbs that an herbalist uses are allies. And in the fact of being allies, they help to aid you in your healing process. So they're kind of like guides. Um, some herbs can play roles of messengers, um, you know, things to use to assist you in that process. Uh, they walk next to you, um, you know, on your journey. So it's really something that can be by your side, kind of holding your hand, whether that's a person or whether you look at that more as, you know, figuratively speaking with herbs that you're taking. Uh, because in terms of looking at it that way, you still keep within you your own power, um, you know, to open up, you receive the information, the nutrition, support, guidance, whatever it is. Um, that the people and the plants are presenting and you allow yourself, your body and your mind to integrate it. So someone can come to you and say, I'm a healer. You know, let me put hands on you. Let me um, do some you know, energy work and let me uh, give you these herbs and I'm going to heal you. Well, the more that you give your power away and the progress that you've made in your healing and attribute that to someone else, the more that's gonna reinforce this inferior, inferiority complex and making you feel subservient to someone else. Um, so try to stay away from that, um, you know, me personally, and, and, and you can disagree to all of this and that's fine. And I'm, I'm open to hearing other people's opinions and standpoints on this. And at the end of the day, you can say, oh, we'll just argue in semantics, which, you know, that's fine too. Uh, but I think that it's important to make these distinctions, especially in uh, the, the era of new age where, you know, you've got old ancient information just being regurgitated and relabeled as something else. Um, so I, I think caution is important and asking questions. You know, I'm huge on asking questions. You know, why, um, why is this person saying that they're a healer? You know, what, what things do you do um, that's different than someone else? And uh, 
you know, making them explain themselves, I guess, because if someone is confident in what they do and uh, knows their path and knows themselves well enough, then they'll be able to give you a solid answer and they'll be able to explain why. And you'll feel it. You'll feel it when it's right. Um, but And you'll also feel, feel it when it's wrong and it's being projected and uh, inauthentic. So, so that's what I, I, I say that I am, um, I say that I'm a guide, um, I, cause I'm really here just to hold the hands of someone else that I'm helping, uh, cause they're on their own path of self rediscovery and healing their traumas, um, you know, going through their awakening process. So I don't, I don't heal them. I provide them insights, um, that's sometimes overlooked. Um, I provide information on what plant allies are energetically aligned to aid in specific issues and imbalances. And most importantly, I hold space for those who need to feel heard. And that that can, in and of itself, holding space for someone when they need that and they haven't been able to have that in their life, especially with um, kind of this age of I don't even know what to call it. You know, this constant bombardment of information, we're always on to the next thing, the next issue. Uh, A lot of that, I think, is dealt with social media. And I had the um, privilege to grow up a lot of my childhood without social media and even without, like, you know, without cell phones, without computers. Um, The first cell phone I had, I was quite in my older teens and it was like one of those clamshells, you know, um, I didn't even get on social media until, uh, man, it must've been eight years ago. So I feel like that's relatively new, um, for me anyway. And so it's, can be, um, sometimes difficult to learn how to balance those. Because if you've been able to grow up in a time before that and you're here now, you kind of have more of a sense of how to meld those two together. Whereas some people that, you know, younger generations that are coming up and that's all they've known in terms of how to communicate with people, um, you know, how their relationships are formed and upkept and where their information is coming from. You know, it can be hard to try to navigate that. So I think it's important to hold space for people that don't regularly get that. Um, Because social media and sometimes even the people around you, you know, friends and family, if they're not fully present, you know, then you can feel like you're not getting space held by those people. So sometimes you do need a third person, you know, a third party to be able to provide that to you. So that's my long rant anyway of why I am not a healer. I don't call myself a healer. Friends have said, oh, but you are. Um, And you're even more so because you, you push back from that. And I'm like, you know, you're, I value your opinion. I value everyone's opinion. Um, you know, the point of an opinion is just that it's, it's not, it's not a fact. It's, um, you know, it's just how someone feels. So, uh, 
but I will always, you know, I'll, I'll always say no. You know, I tell people I'm an herbalist. I do all these, you know, products and guidance, well-being sessions. And they're like, oh, so you're kind of like a healer. And I'll say, no, I'm not. And I'll tell you why. Um, and so I think, you know, providing that additional insight is important to help people understand a little bit better about what I do as well. So uh, kind of rolling off of that topic, uh, what I do and what I think a lot of people um, are kind of starting to realize, which I think is great, um, especially in this age of science, which science, science is so new. When you think about the overall history of things, you know, science really hasn't been around all that long, um, you know, just because it's been here the whole time that I've been alive doesn't necessarily mean that it's, it's old. Um, and science is one of those things where they'll, t- they'll come out with something as fact when it's really still a theory. Um, and people will accept something as fact and as truth. Um, and then you find out 10, 20 years later, like, uh, actually we have new technology that says different. It's like, well, then how is that true? Um, but again, it, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, well, it's, it was, you know, whatever you call true, you know, true at the time. Um, but I think it's one of those things that's always changing. So it's, you take everything in terms of science with a grain of salt. Um, you have to be conscious, cautious about that. Um, definitely always fact check, which I think is something that, you know, in our, in our age of constant bombardment with news and news is different than, um, real journalism, which there's a resurgence of journalism coming back in the form of podcasts, which I absolutely am obsessed with, um, I think that we we miss that. We miss having someone that follows a story for 5, 10, 20 years, and we get to have all the details, all the information compiled and have that laid out in front of us. And then we as individuals can make our own decision about how we feel about that um, rather than little 30-second blips of, oh, this is happening. Oh, this next thing is happening. And then when one of those things is wrong, they never go back and recant that. They just keep going as though they never said it. Um, So things get really convoluted, really muddy and complex um, unnecessarily. So I think a lot of people are really moving away from news, um, moving away from television and kind of going to really researching, um, fact checking, listening to, you know, podcasts. um, And I think those things are great. It's wonderful. Um, and so, yeah, just be cautious about science, what things come out. Do your fact checking, you know, any sort of scientific uh, documents that come out, they have to cite their sources, double check those sources. Are they actually even real sources and do they exist? Because there's many instances where you're trying to find um you know, follow the path they were following, double check their sources, and it just doesn't, uh, it doesn't add up. You can't find it. Um, even though they quote a source, they come back and they say the opposite of really what was in that scientific study. And so anyway, um, 
back to, uh, uh, you know, what I was saying before about um, what I do and how I look at things um, is in a systems approach manner. So what, what that is, if you've never heard of that term or you're not too familiar with it, is it's seeing someone as a whole person, which is important in understanding what the body is trying to convey in the way of symptoms. Uh, the body consists of patterns of connections, which are in turn networks. And those networks determine the integrity of degree of integration, which make up a unified whole. And all of that is just kind of like big fancy words for um, if there's a system in the body not functioning to its highest potential. So say that's your respiratory system, your musculoskeletal system, your um, let's just say respiratory system <laughs> twice. You can tell I haven't had enough coffee this morning. Um, your digestive system. Um, and if some one of those systems, your, your emotional system, your uh, mental system, you have to integrate all of that. Um, so if one of those things aren't functioning to its highest potential, it affects the soundness of the connections to the other systems, resulting in poor integrity and therefore poor integration. So say you have an unhealthy digestive system. We understand now through, um, you know, a lot of science that's coming out that has been double checked that 90% of our immune system is in our guts. And so if you have a poor digestive system, that system is going to therefore affect the soundness and integrity of your immune system, which means that you're not really integrating as a unified whole, as a whole system. So you get sick easier because you have a poor immune system because you have a poor digestive system because you're stressed because you are you know not living on a path that is aligned with you you're experiencing a lot of resistance a lot of turmoil and hurdles in your life and you're trying to just put your head down and push through it, you know, push against the wind instead of going with a flow of something. So you get all stressed out. It affects your immune system um, because you're not eating well. You know, you're rushing from thing to thing. Um, maybe you're eating fast food or, you know, slug and soda. Um, so, if one of your systems isn't functioning great, it does affect the soundness of the entire whole. So that's why you have to look at a person in terms of a whole um, and not just the individual parts. Um, and if you, if you do look at just individual parts, um, it can actually impede you know, your process of healing and truly understanding what's wrong, because at that point, you're only looking at a symptom. You're only trying to cover up, mask, put a band-aid on a symptom rather than really deep diving and following that network to what the root cause or causes are, because sometimes there can be multiple things that have compounded 
resulting in even just one symptom. So that can be very difficult. You think I only have one symptom, one thing going on, so it must be one issue when it could be three, four, five things going on. Um, so that's where, uh, you know, <laughs> this issue of analysis, which is the process of separating something into its individual parts, um, ends up devalu devaluing and confusing, um, you know, the larger picture, and it takes away truth and exchanging it for individual truisms. So, if, you know, understanding the difference between something being true and something being the truth. So, yes, it is true that maybe you're having um, high blood pressure, say, for ex example. Um, but the truth of the matter is that really you're having high blood pressure because you have suppressed a trauma from 10 years ago, which has been echoing in your physical and mental being, creating a state of stress to where you're not eating, you're not exercising, and your stress hormones have been releasing like crazy. Um, and you're just in a constant state of agitation, that fight or flight, um, and ultimately creating an issue with your blood pressure, you know? Um, or having anxiety attacks. So, so while the symptom is true, it's it's not the truth of the entire picture. Um, so this is why uh, for individuals, um, you know, people always want to know when you give them an herb. Oh, what is it? What's it do? And you know, it's great to want to be curious about those things. But I think that's one of those. Um, nuances that has been maybe it's not not a nuance that's not the right word this this ideology um that the pharmaceutical companies have created of here's an isolated compound an isolated constituent from an herb that's you know uh super potent increase the potency um and you don't get any of the other balancing supportive constituents from it um but uh, when you're looking at an herb, you have to do the same thing of looking at it in a systems approach in terms of looking at an herb as a whole. Uh, learning what constituents in, in an herb, why it does what it does, like that's all just part of being curious, I think, because I'm really interested in those things as well. But when you're looking at what herb to give someone, you, know, you just don't pick, oh, what's the herb with the most... Um, constituent of whatever for this particular thing um you know that's that's not really gonna necessarily help the person because there's a lot of other things that go into herbs the herbs have a frequency to them they have an energetic signature maybe your um, patient is being drawn to a particular herb for reasons they don't even know um and or quite understand because it's it's a uh, a draw on an energy level, on a frequency level, maybe the um, essence of the herb is calling to them. Um, you know, maybe it's the spiritual part of the herb, um, which is something that you can't really understand through its constituents. So we're, we're kind of beginning to learn that a little bit more. Um, and 
taking a kind of more of an Ayurvedic standpoint to your herbs, which looks at herbs more as a whole versus its individual constituents, um, it can be just so amazingly helpful. And the way that the herbs work within the body and uh, the relationship that the patient um, or that you uh, will develop with the herb internally is going to be so much more dynamic and beneficial in looking at it that way. <clears throat> so, um, sorry, I have like a novel sized list of notes from my podcast for today. So I'm trying to like, oh, we talked about that. We talked about that. Um, Okay, yeah. So on, in terms of dealing with trauma, if the integration capacity of the body isn't in good health, meaning your systems are all out of whack, um, they're not talking to one another, that network that, you know, connects all those um, systems together is uh, faulty, um, doesn't have a good foundation, then we're going to have a harder time processing information, um, events, and experiences into our nervous system, which then controls our sensory information and our motor impulses. So if you take a look at it that way, um, you know, you, you experience um, uh, some sort of external stimuli that really on the surface level, um, at a basic level, it's not that big of a deal. Um, but because our systems have been um, running on fumes sometimes, you know, our emotional um, system, especially sometimes we can be burned out emotionally uh, and our nervous system just can't handle and process this information. Um, we become reactionary. Uh, we end up with like this emotional numbness. I can get like this incorrect or like inappropriate physical responses to stimuli uh you know someone you know everyone's just in a hurry and so you just accidentally bump into someone and you just explode on them you know you're yelling at someone in the subway um or you know yelling at them at the restaurant or trying to get your coffee because someone's being slow it's it's you take things and internalize them and make them personal when they're really not um, because we have so much other stuff that's just burn out our nervous system that we just can't process and integrate information um, quickly, readily, and in a healthy manner. Uh, so there's this um, quote by Raja, uh, got this from a book somewhere and for the life of me I didn't write it down and I cannot remember um I'll try to find that and post it um put it in the com um information about the podcast if I can um but it says the whole human body is a vast sounding board in which each cell bears a long record of impressions connected with its parent organ and each cell has a memory and a consciousness of its kind or call it instinct if you will so if you think when when you're healing and this i'm going to kind of talk about this more in the next section of you know why even try to heal or why it's important um 
but it is a vast sounding, you know, your body is a sounding board and it's things echo and things are in your cell memory. Um, so you can have a traumatic experience, which doesn't even have to be to this degree that everyone thinks it is because traumatic experiences can be something so simple that we don't even realize it's traumatic at the time. Um, you know, there's <laughs> the, the one thing that's coming to mind, um, it, you know, you're, you're maybe, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out the right way to explain this because, um, it's something that I've heard happen before to friends of mine, like in middle school when, I, you know, back in grade school, um, years and years ago, uh, you know, you're, you're putting on makeup as, you know, you're in middle school, you're like, oh, because this is what you think the grown-up adults do, you know, what, what women do when you're wanting to be a woman, and um, you're, you're putting on makeup, and you don't know how to do it yet, so, like, eyeliner is super heavy, you know, makeup is all chunky, and when really you should, you know, you don't need that, um, and, you know, you come out, and your one of your parents is like, what are you doing, you, you know, you're gonna, you know, look, <laughs> you're, you're gonna look like a floozy, and I, I use that word because that's the exact word that one of my grandparents used, and, uh, like, it's embedded into my brain to this day, and I can look, I laugh about it now. Um, you know, it's such a older phrase to use. Um, you know, go wipe that makeup off. And so these experiences that you're like, oh, you're just trying to teach your child or teach your grandchild, like you don't need these things um, to make yourself beautiful. Uh, but the presentation of it and the way that it was given um, ends up kind of having this echo effect in your body. So, you know, for a long time, I was like very anti, um, you know, makeup, like, oh, if you wear makeup, you must be this, that, and the other thing. Um, and they, so, so it can be like, whether you want to call things like that, um, you know, a traumatic experience or not, um, you, you know, people I've heard from friends even, uh, um, growing up that, you know, they'd be eating you know, a lot of chocolate or something one day or just eating potato chips and their parents being like, ah, you better stop eating all that food, junk food, you're going to get fat. Well, while that's not exactly you know, an incorrect statement, the way that it's presented and the way that it's embedded into our memories then can become traumatic because then we can fixate on food, we can fixate on our weight. And, um, you know, instead of explaining like, hey, you know, maybe we should try other healthier snacks and actually educating, you know, people about, you know, this is what food does and um, proportion, you know, we, we all get where we just want to eat an entire chocolate bar. Um, but doing that all the time is, you know, not going to be healthy. Uh, and, you know, that can become a traumatic experience down the road. Um, 
when you know we realized it later on that that's what it was um so there's these events and um things that happen that in our childhood specifically that we don't even think of becoming traumatic experiences but it gets embedded into our subconscious and deep down even into a cellular level of our body and its echoes through, uh, you know, into adulthood. So um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share another kind of uh, actual personal example of this later on, um, kind of give a little bit more information on that. Um, but it's another way of looking at um, a person in a whole, as a unified whole, um, and a systems approach is that, you know, some of these physical manifestations of symptom or, um, excuse me, of issues in the form of symptoms have far, far reaching, um, root causes than we can really, uh, anticipate. Um, but on another, uh, kind of side note, I was doing some research on, I don't know if any, uh, anyone's ever heard of the biologist Bruce Lipton, but he, his research is just outstanding and phenomenal. Um, he's kind of in a way, I'm going to say this and it might not be right, so don't quote me on this part, but I, I feel as though in certain circles of people he's kind of been uh, exiled or ostracized rather from the scientific community because the research that he's coming out with contradicts popular science right now and goes against um kind of the agenda of the scientific community of the direction it's going so he he kind of was like you know well fuck that. I'm going to, this is my science. I'm not going to change it because this is really what I'm finding. Um, and he's published books about it. He does Ted talks, um, and other, um, presentations. So you should Google him and look him up and just watch some of his stuff. Uh, specifically his information on genes do not control our biology. Cause this was something that I think we all in kind of our, like, to our core, we, we gravitate towards, um, more and more so, uh, but then we see all the science coming out, and they're like, ah, genetic, uh, information, and all this, like, hereditary stuff, and Bruce Lipton kind of, um, puts a stop to that, and he's like, understand that it's our environment, that controls our biology because our environment controls our genes. Um, so go watch this stuff. I won't go into a whole explanation of it. Um, cause I think he does a, just a wonderful job. He, he is such a, he's quite the character. He's very passionate about what he talks about. So when you watch the YouTube videos and you watch him and how he talks about it, you can tell that he just gets so excited about being able to share this information with people. Um, but and looking up stuff from him a while ago, I came across uh, Lori, and I'm, I'm probably going to mispronounce her name, and I apologize, uh, Desenzo. 
Uh, but she is the owner founder of Enlightened Feelings. Um, and you can visit her website, enlightenedfeelings.com. She's from Norfolk County, Ontario, which is where she resides in her businesses. Um, but she does her own like flower essences. Uh, and on her information, um, I don't think it was under her blog, um, but it's uh, enlightenedfeelings.com slash symptoms is the specific page that I was looking at. And she kind of quotes Bruce Lipton, which is how I found this page. Um, but I'm just going to read you this little section, um, which is an interesting way to look at the body because, again, it goes towards the symptoms approach to health and to healing your own body um, and helping someone in their process of that. Uh, so she says, according to author Louise Hay and cellular biologist Bruce Lipton, Physical symptoms are merely tangible evidence of what is going on in your unconscious mind and how you are really feeling deep inside. She goes on to say, the left side of the body is often regarded as the feminine side, the receiving side, where you take in. It represents, among other things, the mother. The right side of the body is often regarded as the masculine side, the giving outside, where you express. It represents, among other things, the father. When we continually have problems with one particular side of the body, it can mean there are issues with the parent represented by that side that have not been settled. And when I was reading this, this struck me to, uh, to the core. Like, nail on the head, like I was reading, you have to go and check this page out because she goes through everything on here. She goes through the spectrum of emotions, which is great. Um, I refer back to this so much um, in terms of the emotions that you're holding within and expressing um, and the frequency that they have. Uh, but she goes from, you know, your left side, your right side, your front, the back, what those mean, um, different systems, different parts of the body, the eyes, the mouth, hearing problems, neck, thyroid, spinal all the way down to like your reproductive your hips your legs your feet problems autoimmune problems um waking eating disorders um so take a look at it you know give yourself you know a chunk of time to really deep dive into her um, information again that's enlightenedfeelings.com symptoms and it was, I'm, I'm looking at stuff with my own physical body and I'm like, okay, you know, let me, let me just take a breath and let me really sit within my body and see, you know, connect with my body and see how I feel. Because I think we were get so busy that we never take the time to, um, you know, just check in, check, check in with yourself. And some people want to say, call that meditation, um, you know, some people do that with yoga, uh, whatever your method is, you know, give yourself some time, you know, a good five, 10 minutes at least just to sit and check in with every part of your body and see how it feels. Um, and when you can kind of run through your body, it was this weird thing where I was getting like this resistance, um, when I was, I was going through, okay, so I'm trying to make this more clear of what I was doing, um, if I can articulate it. So I was starting kind of with 
my head. Like, how does my head feel? How does, how does the area behind my eyes feel? How does my brain feel? Um, you know, I don't have a headache right now. My eyes don't hurt. You know, my sinuses, um, how do those feel? How does the inside of my mouth and my tongue feel if I move it around? Um, you know, if I move my head kind of in circles, does my neck feel tight or loose? Um, so you're kind of working all the way down, all your extremities, and just, you know, giving, giving a good check-in to all your systems. And it was interesting because when I got to kind of like your they call it your sacred bowl or your womb space, you know, which is just the part between your pelvic bones from your navel to your pubic, uh, pubic bone. So that whole region, um, you kind of feel the space within there. Um, is there any blockages of energy? Is there any pain? Um, or do you kind of experience this sort of emotional, physical numbness, you know, are you not able to connect with that area? And I think that that for a lot of people, both female and male, um, should do this, uh, because it goes both ways, being able to connect with your root chakra, your sacral chakra, your navel, um, and when I did that, it hit a chord with me because I felt this sort of pushback, um, like this resistance to going to putting my awareness in that general area. Um, and I was like, what, what is this emotional, um, blockage, this energetic blockage that I'm experiencing? And, uh, You know, I, when I was reading through her site and looking at the information under her section of reproduction, she does talk about, you know, she's got other links to like womb heal, um, fertility, these, these sorts of things. So I was reading through and, you know, obviously any part of your reproduction system is going to affect your first and second chakra. And if those are out of balance, um, you know, that can be your sense of security, your sense of foundation, belonging, um, your place in the world, your, your kind of basic path in life. Um, and this also deals with, you know, our creativity, our sexuality, our sensuality. Uh, so that area is both what we take in, what we allow to enter us, you know, and what we put out and what we enter into. Um, so you can think about that on a mental level, an energetic level and a physical level. And so experiencing, reading that and then like experiencing those sensations, I was like, oh man, this is exactly about what's going on in my life. You know, I was trying to figure out things creatively. Um, as an artist, I was trying to, um, you know, having kind of like this I don't want to call it a crisis because I don't think it was that extreme, but just having a little bit of a freak out about, you know, my path in life and what I was doing because um, I have a lot of passions and trying to consolidate those down and make sense of them and uh, block out time for them, um, you know, because you, 
you want to try to give ample time to all of your passions, but then again, you don't want to only be giving, you know, 25% to something, um, because you're split up amongst too many things. So it was all this thing, this stuff going on in my life. And I was like, wow, this makes complete sense. I'm not connected with my first and second chakra. I'm not connected with my womb space because I'm having these issues. And, um, I made an effort to hold space for that in my life. And I did, I took, it took me about two or three weeks of, you know, every day sitting with that space, um, doing some grounding energy work, um, some meditation. I was using some, uh, I make like these, uh, chakra sprays. So, um, you know, sitting within the midst of, you know, the first and cha- uh, second chakra blends, um, breathing that in and helping myself ground. And it, it worked, um, tremendously. And the, the second example I have of that is that, um, I was having back issues, uh, on my, yeah it was my right side and like that part on your shoulder um kind of between your shoulder and your spine like and up into the bottom of my neck like getting kinking my neck a whole lot um that part was just really really sore and tight uh and I was going you know I was trying to massage gently massage it like by you know light workouts, um, is going to actually get therapeutic massages, uh, all sorts of stuff. It's like, it would help. And then it would come back. And I was like, okay, I have to think, uh, think about this on terms of how would I address this with just any of my other patients, anyone else, a family, a friend that I'm trying to help. Um, you know, I have to look at this and, uh, in terms of that, you know, I, I have to play guide to myself sometimes a lot. And, so, so I was like, okay, how would I approach this with any other person? Because that's what I need to do. And I was like, okay. So I I first looked at, like, what symptoms was I having? Um, and it's like, okay, well, on a base level, I'm having symptoms on my right side and on my back. <laughs> so if you kind of go back to what she was saying, Lori, and her information here, um, uh the right side of the body is the masculine side and it's our giving outside its expression and it's usually represents the father. And at that particular time, um, in the back, anything that you're having issues on like your backside, it's, um, reflects, uh, she says private and unconscious elements of her life. And also like, you know, our, our past, a lot of things with our past, you know, affecting our back. So I was like, uh, and I had to sit with this for a while because this is something that was really compounded for me in life was issues with um, both of my parents because my parents got divorced when I think their divorce started in either when I was eight or nine and it was over when I was like 11. So it took a couple years. And um, during that time and a lot after, um, you know, well into adulthood, Uh, I think my parents were so consumed with, um, 
you know, with the divorce, with what was going on, their own personal trauma that was happening at the time, um, you know, this back and forth between them, that they had kind of these blinders on. Um, and I had addressed, you know, all of that with my mom because I had like a closer bond with her, um, you know, in the sense that it was just, it was easier to approach her with these things um, and talk to her about it. So I did that. And, you know, that was a couple of years ago. And it's kind of been ongoing as things come up. Like, I, I will just say something now, which is helpful. And even as a kid, I was really reserved, um, shy. Like, wouldn't, wouldn't really say much about what was going on or talking. And, um, uh, and that's one of the things I was, you know, had discussions with my mom about. It's like, well, I don't ever remember you asking me, like, if I was okay, like what was going on with me? And she's like, you know, it's, and it's one of those things like, you know, be gentle with people in your life because in the end, at the end of the day, even though they're, you know, parents, um, when you grow up and you, you know, start to experience like <laughs> what people want to call adulthood, you learn that, uh, you're, you're still just like a child but now you're in like this adult looking body (laughs) and you don't really know how you're going to react in situations until you experience it. We can say all day long, like, oh, this is what I would do. Um, But until you go through it, you don't really know. Um, And so we, we talked about that. Um, We talked about other things and, you know, healing that trauma on the mother's side. Um, but then the other uh, end of that was healing the trauma on the father's side, which I hadn't done yet because my father can be um, not as easy to talk to. Um, he's, I think on both ends, both of my parents have trouble connecting with their emotions and their needs and communicating those. Um, but my father especially is like that a lot. Um, he doesn't show anything until it gets like bottled up and boils over his rage. <laughs> so I just remember him like always yelling, like, why are you so angry? Like you're so angry all the time over dumb shit. Uh, and I just didn't understand it when I was growing up. Um, but so kind of, you know, taking in the information about like, okay, my back, my right side, like this father figure from the past was like, I just have to break the ice on this. Like, I'm just going to have to do it. Um, and for me, I knew it was going to be pretty. I was like, this is just going to turn into me um, acting out of emotion from, from base emotion and being, you know, probably saying things that I don't want to say and being emotional about it, um, being, you know, maybe yelling, <laughs> which, you know, and at the end of the day, you think, well, they're your parents, like, you know, they're, they're going to love you at the end of the day, no matter what, um, but it was something like, I don't like to go to those places and I'm really good about yeah, not letting things build up until they're emotion, you know, emotionally reactive. Um, but it was just something that was a lifelong build up that was like, all right, I'm just going to have to kind of rip the bandaid off on this and do this. So in my conversation with him, you know, uh, talking to him after not talking to him for over a year, uh, I'm sure it came to a shock to him and his response was, you know, well, this was years and years, you know, almost a lifetime ago, you know, and this, what do you mean this is bothering you now? And I was like, well, 
you know, I, I understand that. But for me, it feels like it was just yesterday because my body, um, my systems, you know, my hormone systems, my um, nervous system was echoing this and it was still responding to these experiences, to these traumas that um, as if they had just happened. Um, so we talked, we talked for a long time on that. We still talk about a lot of stuff um, because I think that's that's one of those uh, misnomers is, you know, you just, we want this instant gratification. We want this instant um, cure for something and that's not how things work. It took, uh, you know, uh, 15, 20 years. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of how long maybe that that would have been compounded because it started, um, you know, when I was like eight, nine years old, but so like 20 years of trauma, um, 20, 25 years of trauma, that's a long time to have something sitting within you, um, compounding on it over and over again. And it was, you know, how my parents' relationship was, was affecting me in ways that I didn't even understand, you know, I was having these weird responses and reactions to things in my own relationships, both, um, friends and, uh, in, romantic relationships and like I don't understand where this is coming from you know so um it takes a a trauma that's compounded that long is gonna take some time to heal and so be patient you know we there is no instant cure this instant gratification of being over something and I think that's uh we have this fear of having to experience um, the healing process because it is painful at times um, that we don't even want to go through it, even though in our back of our minds, we're like, it's going to be so much better in the long run when I'm through this and I've healed it and I can put it behind me, um, that we still, we push back and we don't even want to go there. But so it's still a process for me, Um, you know, even though this is something that was broached uh, with my father mm, over a year ago, a year and a half, two years, something like that. Um, it's, it's still in that process, you know, we're still working out, um, things from the past and we're working out things now, you know, how do, how do you relate to someone, um, just as adults now? Because even though they're your parents, you don't need them as a parent like you begin to see them as just another human as this other adult and now that you're an adult like relating to them is different like that relationship dynamic shifts and changes um so it's it's learning how to relate to someone on on this new level so it's interesting it's it's been a wonderful experience um and after going through all of that I it's I mean like I haven't I'm like gonna probably, you know, hopefully not jinx myself. I'm not a superstitious person, but uh, (laughs) I feel like I need to knock on wood or something. Um, But, you know, I haven't had back issues um, in terms of like how waking up with like 
pulled muscles in my shoulders or like kinks in my neck. I haven't been doing any of that um, ever since then, really. Uh, you know, my my stress levels, like my hormones have even, like I can feel oh, just this weight lifted because I'm not holding that in. You know, that's, that's a lot to carry. Um, so I would encourage anyone who's, you know, if you have that opportunity, because I understand, you know, not, not everyone's parents are still around to be able to have those conversations and not all parents are as open and receptive to hearing those things. Um, because I think as for as parents, the, um, it can almost be traumatizing to them to hear, uh, the issues and the traumas that they've caused their children. But, you know, I think it's all about how you approach it and, uh, um, how you, you know, the words that you choose to use and, um, you know, that, that make a difference. Uh, so, and, <laughs> and on, you know, let, so let me kind of, um, go to this other direction of this other spot here of jumping into why, why, why do this process of healing? Why, um, why care, you know? Mm why um why bother to do any of this and so those examples and those things are, are part of that but you know these echoes that happen in our body um is is what we <laughs> what we call being triggered and i this term i i uh i don't even know what to think about this term anymore um I'm feeling triggered. I'm being triggered. You're triggering me. Uh, the more that I heal myself, I go through, I will purposely tap in and I'm like, you know, show me these traumas. Show me these things that I have been suppressing um, and that are in my subconscious and do, you know, what, what people will call doing shadow work, you know, show me these things that are hidden that I need to work on that are affecting me now, um, that I haven't realized. And so for me personally, and I know all experiences are different. So, um, you know, tell, tell me, tell me what you think about these. Tell me, you know, your experience with this stuff. But for me personally, if I get triggered by something, if someone triggers me, if they say something, do something, if I see something that's like, I can feel it, you you get this like tense up and you want to like turn away from it. And for me, like, I, I understand that that's, that's what people are calling being triggered. And I'll, you have to play the observer to your emotions. So when you can get outside of yourself, observe what's going on in your body and notice this reaction that you're having to this, you think, hmm, this is quote unquote triggering me. What is that? Why is this triggering me? And so I will actually try to fall into that um, to explore where that's coming from. Because being triggered is your body's way of um, helping you recognize, you know, these echoes and being able to trace back through that network of systems, um, where this 
trauma originally came from. Um, so someone, you know, I talk to um, friends a lot and uh, they'll do something. I'm like, sometimes I will have like an immediate reaction to something and say things that I, I don't filter through first. And I'm like, whoa, sorry, you know, <laughs> like that was weird and this is why. And, um, you know, I'm going to take this and I'm going to work on it. You know, thank you for that. And thank you for allowing me that experience because this is, I, I have now been able to understand more about a trauma that I need to fix because I was quote unquote triggered. You know, the more that you lash out at people, oh, you're triggering me. Don't post this on social media. Don't talk about this. And I'm going to get angry. You know, our first reaction, you know, uh, when we're in a reactionary state, an emotional state is to go to fear and anger. Um, And it is really based in fear because it's fear of experiencing that trauma again. And those um, emotional and physical um, you know, effects of that trauma. Uh, so I, I understand it. I'm, I understand why people say that and why they do what they do. And, and so I don't, um, you know, how people will kind of shame people when they're triggered and stuff like, I'm like, I don't do that. Like, you, you know, talk to people, talk, okay, I understand you're upset because I said this, um, then talk to me, you know, create that space for those people and say, um, why were you triggered? Um, what was it exactly about this that triggered you? Um, you know, what's this emotional, physical echo coming from, uh, and what's happening here? And I think that by creating that space for someone, you know, allowing them to feel safe and expressing that can be so healing, um, and, and it's hard because I, one of my experiences was, uh, so I had, uh, adopted a Rhodesian Ridgeback from the shelter years ago and, um, shortly, shortly before he passed away, uh, one of my experiences was a lady was walking this, ma- uh, no, it wasn't a massive, what was it? A, um, St. Bernard this huge St. Bernard and she just couldn't control it. And, you know, it's such a big dog and this, you know, smaller petite woman, um, trying to, you know, just going on their casual walk. And he got away from her, um, and ran up to, and starts attacking my dog. And so obviously, you know, being a, a dog mom, you're, you're the one that's like trying to get in the middle of these huge, these two huge dogs, you know, a Ridgeback and a, um, St. Bernard trying to break up a fight. Um, and I ended up getting bit. And so for a good while after, um, you know, the couple days, um, yeah, yeah, I think it was a couple, just a couple days after, um, during one of our walks, we were, um, you know, I wasn't really walking. It was more like limping because they, it got my thigh. Uh, the other dog got my thigh, but um, so we're, we're, I'm limping on our walk and, uh, he, I, I see this person walking their dog and it's not like they're even close. They're like almost, 
like the apartment complex that I lived in at the time was like this circle. And so they were in, in the middle of the circle is where um, they had like just, just grassy area, like picnic tables. There was like a volleyball thing. And um, so they were in that middle part. So they weren't like clear across the way, but they were in that middle part, just, you know, doing their thing. And I felt it, this, such this surge of panic. And I think that that's, that's the most appropriate word that I can find right now. It's just this panic, overwhelming panic come over me. And like, just from seeing another person walking their dog. And it was so weird to sit there and, um, again, just play the observer to this experience. I was like, whoa, this overwhelming emotion that came over me. It was like, this is, and that was the first time that I was able to identify in the moment I have PTSD. I have stress from this trauma that happened. And I knew right away, I was like, I I have to face this head on and go into this because I love dogs and I love animals and I don't want to, um, you know, be fearful um, and give off that energy. Because if, you know, dogs have such an amazing sense of your energy and if you come at any experience with a dog with this like apprehension and this panic and fear they're gonna sense that and they they're like you know years old animal instinct of uh, you know just being it's wild animal is gonna kick in and they're gonna be more aggressive to you because of that Mm. but so you know I was I explained all this talking to my mom on the phone and uh, and she was like, yeah, you've, you, you're right. You've got to, you've just got to face this. You put yourself around. It's, it's weird because the, the way to fix it was to put myself in situations where I was around other dogs more, um, because I needed to, uh, fix that programming in my brain and in my, um, physical body that happened, um, and relearn this like safety and comfort that I've always had with dogs. Cause I've never had a bad experience, um, you know, with a dog, um, except for that one. And it wasn't even about me. It was like, you know, I think they were just both trying to be alpha males and show one another up. And I kind of got in the middle of it, but so, I, you know, now it's like, I see a dog and, I, and now I'm back to where it was before. I'm like, I will run across the street and be like, can I pet your dog? He's so cute. Um, so I'm one of those people again, and I love that. I don't want to be, um, you know, victim of my traumas and of my emotions. So, you know, our, our experiences and PTSD can be really as simple as that. It doesn't have to be, you know, we, for some reason, will always put together PTSD with coming back from war, um, which that's a huge thing that happens, but it can be stress from trauma uh, that maybe seems so minute at the time, um, but it's still affecting us. So, Uh, and when we get into that state, um, you know, when we're still experiencing PTSD, um, which I think a good majority of people do and don't realize that we're all walking around still affected from stress or trauma that we, we have suppressed and it's in our subconscious, but it affects our hormone levels, including stress hormones, 
um, you know, our muscle contractions. So we end up with like tight muscles and muscle strains more. Um, and when our stress hormones are increased, uh, what happens just in a natural sense uh, from, you know, on just a basic primal level, uh, you, your body goes into that uh, adrenaline, more adrenaline is released into your system, um, more cortisol is released into your system, and uh, you actually lose uh, peripheral vision uh, because of that, because your body is in a state of like constant fight or flight, which when we're, you know, we're still have, you know, we have that innate, um, response in us because it's what helped us so long uh, for so long in the past you know we come across an animal or um, you know an experience when we're in the woods and you know we need to lose that peripheral vision so we can hone in on um, you know it increases um, focus on you know the thing in front of us and allows us to get that boost to our muscles and our energy, you know, to, to run, to be able to fight or flight. So these, th these things are helpful, but in terms of when we never come back and circle back around to heal the trauma that caused that, then your body is still living as though it just happened. And it can be so detrimental, um, and just, you know, deteriorates our bodies and our mental states. Um, so even though the experience is done, uh, the body will continue the effects of that experience until it's dealt with and healed. Um, so yeah, that's, so looking uh, at what post-traumatic stress is, um, you know, a lot of us have it and, I, and we don't even recognize it as such. So, um, another you know why why heal why go through this process why take you know all this time weeks months years even to heal certain things within us um because when we're in those states um emotion you know in a frequency energetically we tend to not inhabit certain parts of our body like I wasn't inhabiting fully like my womb space um some people it extends to you know more their mental um space sometimes it's more of a full body experience you know some people say they don't even feel like they're in their body half the time and connected with their emotions and so what happens is we dissociate from our body and from our emotions um you know as a survival tactic for us to keep being able to just live, to just keep going, get up the next day and do what we need to do. Um, but when that happens, um, you create this negative space, this void within our body. And just naturally as in nature, um, voids, vacuums, um, you know, places of space will naturally be filled so if you don't check in and you don't reclaim your space, your energy, you call your energy home into your body, um, you know, because that's a lot of people will push back from doing that because then you do experience all these emotions that you've been holding on to. 
and it can be it can be difficult to do that uh, because you don't want to re-traumatize yourself from you know going back into that. But just just give a, allow it a little bit of space and sit with that. And then the next time, give it just a little bit more space and sit with that and just start peeling things away one layer at a time and just be gentle with it. Um, because if you don't do this, you're dissociated from yourself. You're not claiming your vessel your body as home your energy isn't residing within you and grounded um then other energy will naturally fill it um and this and by that um what i mean by that is that it brings external influences and toxicity into you so um people and experiences and things that are of lower energy uh will try to clean that space and you're more influenced by those lower frequencies those lower vibrations so we get sick more um the uh we in a way will attract more lower vibrational experiences and people you know people that are angry and people that are um always irritated and uh, complainers and uh, it's those, uh, they call them energy vampires, um, you know, will essentially feed on you because you're not there to protect your own energy. It's, it's this negative space and you get energetic squatters. You know, it's like having an empty house. You, you're the house, you know, there's, there's a structure there, there's a body there, but there's no one home. And so you'll, you'll get squatters in your house, um, you know. It's a place to stay, a place for those energies to reside. So the more that you can kind of come back, sit with your own self, reclaim your body, bring your energy home, the more that you can do this um, and prevent, uh, you know, other external influences. And uh, by doing so, by healing your traumas, you're actually healing. I, I know a lot of people have probably heard this ancestral healing, ancestral trauma, um, and healing those things. And I, I don't, at first when I heard this, I was like, oh yeah, that's really cool. That, that makes sense. And then when I really dove into understanding what this means, um, I think I only understood it on like a superficial level on, um, you know, like Maybe not, uh, maybe superficial is the wrong word, but I only understood it on like one level. And I think that was um, like a men- maybe a mental level or a spiritual level. Um, uh, and then I, as I dove into this more, I was like, oh, this is kind of what they mean. Uh, so when, when you're healing yourself, you're healing traumas that have compounded upon themselves from generations past you're healing your mother's traumas you're healing your grandmothers your grandparents um your great-grandparents and i'll explain why so and this is going to seem so simple and you're gonna be like oh well duh i get this now um but it was one of those things that even when when it was explained to me i was like oh yeah why was i not like making this connection and this thing clicking in my head before so uh kind of 
touch a little bit on, um, you know, the body, uh, a woman has her eggs um, her whole life. You know, she's born, she'll make, she have a certain amount of eggs, and that's the amount that she has. Um, she doesn't make any more, um, that, that's it. So from an early point, your experiences that you have, um, remember when I was saying that these experiences are um, held even at a cellular level, at a structural DNA level. So the experiences that you're having, even in childhood as a woman and into adulthood, um, that energy, um, that echo is going to be imprinted onto your eggs. So you, when you're born, you have already trauma programmed into you on, a, on that level from your mom. And your mom has it from her mom. And her mom has it from, you see what I'm saying? So, so by kind of t taking a step back and working on healing this, you're healing these traumas that go way, way, way back. And so when we're looking at pre-sentient states, um, which is part of shamanic uh, um, foundations, which is something that um, I'm familiar with and I've worked with, is looking at your pre-sentient state. So the, these energies and these traumas that have happened before you're sentient, before you're even conceived, um, and when you can work on that, you, you're breaking a cycle that is generations long and you're, you're working on reclaiming authentic experiences. Cause think about it. If you're already influenced and programmed from trauma before you're even born, um, from all this, what what experiences truly on a base level are you having that are yours and authentic to you because you're still reacting to trauma that you didn't even know was there um and it's and this is a long conversation that i had with my my mom um talking about her talking about my grandparents um you know, what was my grandparents' relationship like? What did they go through in learning that? And it's like, wow. Uh, <laughs> you know, and you kind of, I, I saw, I, it really hit me and it took a, uh, a couple moments after having thought that like, man, I got a lot of work to do. You know, um, if, if I want to help break that cycle of these traumas and, um, not pass this on, I have a lot of work to do in order to help reprogram things on a cellular level, emotional level, frequency level. Um, and, and it helped. And as I started to do this, I noticed as you have more authentic experiences than yours, because I can have an experience, an event can happen, I can get information, um, and I can look at it and say, you know, my initial response to it, I can just hold on to that and I can observe it. I can look at it um, and I can say, okay, is this my response 
Is this my reaction to this experience? Or is this my mother's? Or is this my grandmother's? Is this an authentic reaction to have? And then, um, you know, you begin to have more uh, working, how do I want to say, working more on what experiences mean to me, who I am, um, how I react to things. Um, and that goes, uh, particularly for me, it was focusing on relationships um, and, you know, uh, something would happen in a relationship and it could be as simple as, you know, something dumb like the dishes or something like you're, you're laundry or something even as major as looking at um instances of uh you know um cheating or infidelity whatever you want to call it or you know your partner flirting and uh things like that and then you you're like okay what is an appropriate response to these experiences to these events um is the response I'm having societal influence, um, you know, programs from society that we're supposed to be upset by these things, that a relationship dynamic is supposed to be this way. Is this how my mother would have reacted? Is this how my grandmother would have reacted? Is this a response I'm having, um, you know, learning about my grandparents' relationship on a real deep level and learning what you know because what we see on a surface level as a child growing up with your grandparents and your parents you know you you don't always see those um things that happen behind closed doors but then learning about that it's like wow I'm reacting just like my mother did in a similar situation without even realizing it and that's because it was programmed into her and that was passed on to me and then you have to um you have to look at that in a different way, in a different light. And so uh, I think that I'm I'm on a particular path that's allowing me the, um, how do I want to say, the, uh, the opportunity to have more authentic experiences. And I, I think it's great. I mean, you know, it's not always perfect. I, you know, we're it's always a process. It takes a lot of time, you know? So sometimes it's not until after the fact that something happens that you're like, um, yeah, that, that was not me. That was, that was not authentic to me. I was, uh, acting out of, uh, you know, trauma. And, um, but the more that you do it, the more that it becomes easier to recognize in the moment, um, you know, to be an observer to your own self, uh, my friend will always say, uh, is the dog wagging the tail or is the tail wagging the dog? And I think most of us walk around with the tail wagging the dog. Um, you know, it's your, when you can become the control of your emotions, uh, then I think certain things start to open up for you that, you never would have thought like my relationships that I have with people are so much more rich and deeper. Um, my romantic relationships are, um, just on a whole nother level that you, you wouldn't expect, um, you know, how you relate to someone that way. 
and you take away societal standards, you take away like what is appropriate reactions in, in our society. You say, okay, well, what's okay for us? You know, what's our dynamic like? And, um, you know, even with friends, like what, what is friendship mean and what's that look like? Um, and it's, it's quite, uh, quite a journey. So that's one of those, um, couple reasons of, you know, why I think it's important, why healing, you know, the process of healing is important, uh, why you should take time to do these things. And, um, even though you are your healer, no one else is a healer too. You are your healer. Hold on to your, um, power, hold on to, um, your personal growth, your, your sense of identity, your, um, you know, your self-accountability and your self-mastery. Don't let anyone else take that from you. Um, but there are, there are people out there, there, you know, myself included, along with a lot of other people that I've talked to that understand and agree on these things with me, uh, that if you need someone to help aid you in this, even just if it's someone to hold space for you, you need someone to talk to. Um, yeah, I do provide uh, well-being consultations and sessions. And during that initial consultation, it's very, very in-depth. The form, you know, I have you fill out a couple-page form um, that really looks at all the systems, what's going on, what's going on, um, not only your history, what's going on with you, but family history, because again, that ancestral trauma can influence us in ways that we really had uh, underestimated or not realized. And looking at it from a shamanic and Ayurvedic foundation approach, as well as a systems approach um, and seeing where adjustments need made, um, what sort of lifestyle changes, um, herbal changes, you know, what, what sort of herbs we can uh, employ as allies for you to help you, help aid you in that healing process. Because herbs, just like anything else, it's not something that's meant to be prolonged. It's something that's to help support you until you get to that point where your systems can operate on their own. Um, and uh, so I provide all, you know, all of that information, insight. Um, it, it, it takes, it's very in-depth, so it takes time. So, uh, you know, if you can commit to something like that, I think it's worth it. I think that it's a gift that you're going to give to yourself and to future generations and to, you know, the, the rest of the world as well because... We're all in this together. Um, you know, we, it's, it can, it can be a little cheesy because, you know, I understand, uh, fluffy, fluffy words, but, um, it's, that's the reason that my business is called Rising Phoenix Rebels, the Rising Phoenix, that trauma is something that will help us grow stronger from. Um, will help us become wiser. Um, it's, it's the ashes, uh, you know, trauma are the ashes and we'll rise again from it over and over. And just because you heal one trauma, you know, you can, there's always things that can happen that can be traumatic experiences, even in adulthood. Um, and the more that you have practiced healing, um, in that process, 
and gotten those coping mechanisms down, which it's amazing. We have uh, institutions and school systems that teach us how to respond intellectually to something um, and give us, you know, mathematics skills, language skills, um, but there's no standard for uh, providing us the base basic skills of coping with emotions and experiences. Uh, and I think that a lot of that is expected to rely on parents. Um, and until we kind of figure out more as a society, you know, because um, parenting is individualized, you know, what, what works, what's okay for some parents aren't okay for others. And, uh, you know, we kind of come together as a collective and understand that that's something that's important to teach our children our coping skills, our um, healthy ways of expressing ourselves and dealing with those. Uh, and the more that we can do that um, for ourselves and pass that along, um, you know, the better that we're going to be for future future generations. So I uh, appreciate you listening. Um, if you want to know more about me and my business, uh, you can visit us online at risingphoenixherbals.com. Um, you can check out the information about consultations. Um, you can I do uh, products as well. Um, if you do have any questions, um, want to talk more about this, um, have opinions whether you know they're parallel or maybe they're you know some opposite opinions and viewpoints. I love to hear them. That's you know I'm not married to any specific ideology. I try to keep open to things, and so our perspective on um the world and what's uh you know i I don't want to say right and wrong because there's there's gray areas um you know so i think that's always shifting for me and i try to keep an open mind Uh, so yeah drop a comment um you can send an email it's info at risingphoenixherbals.com um and let's just stay in touch and i'll be back Um, soon with another episode of our PH podcast and have a wonderful and beautiful day.